surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and today we are going to suck responsibly and we are going to talk plastic. Uh, I'm very excited to be talking with the CEO and founder of Final Straw that you guys have likely seen me post on my Instagram several times as a way to help reduce my use of single-use plastics in straws, which is a small portion of a lot of the waste that we have, but it's definitely a good starting point. Um, So we're going to be talking with Emma, who earned her master's degree in environmental management and sustainability at Harvard. She spent four years in the pollution prevention department at Los Alamos National Library... She spent four years in the Pollution Prevention Department at Los Alamos National Laboratory working to reduce the lab's waste. She currently lives in Santa Barbara, and I am really excited to talk to her and her commitment to Final Straw and banning single-use plastics and just learning more about how they pollute our lands, um, our ecosystem, and contaminate our food chain, and also kind of how we manage our uh, emotions and our mental health as we take a look at our responsibility to our environment and reducing our waste. We'll get right into it. So welcome, Emma, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Taylor, thanks for having me. Yeah, we are thankfully both enjoying a beautiful sunny day. We are in Santa Barbara. I'm in Seattle. Um, But, you know, I think as we kind of continue this conversation about the environment and where we're at, um, just taking a moment and being like, this is where we are <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, but Absolutely. Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, first off, very impressed with your background and think you're for sure just like such a badass boss lady. And <laughs> that I can only imagine that, you know, certainly you'll have your tough days with that. Um, but you went to Harvard and studied um, in their pollution prevention department um, and have now started Final Straw, which helps reduce single-use plastics. And would love to kind of hear a little bit about what got you into to this adventure in the first place of, you know, why you wanted to pursue a degree in environmental management. Totally. So, you know, it all kind of started in college. I went to UCSB here in Santa Barbara, go Gauchos, (laughs) and um, was studying neuroscience because I've always been really fascinated with drugs and their interaction on the brain and, and kind of America's reliance on prescriptions and you know, all of that, which I'm sure you're also very into. Um, so was going deep into that. and was loving the classes and everything, but at the same time, I started just kind of noticing the amount of trash around, um, especially in Isla Vista where the school is located, Mm -hmm. you know, on the weekends, it was just a disaster zone and there's red solo cups littered everywhere. And we're a block from the beach. So the winds blow and then those end up in the ocean. And so it was, it was really hard to not notice how much trash was being generated. Um, and once, 
once I see those kind of things, it's like I can't unsee it and mm-hmm. I just become obsessed. And so my girlfriends and I decided to take out our mermaid outfits, put them on and go do a beach cleanup. And so we kind of would do that on the weekends and then it just evolved. And we ended up working a little more in legislation and and uh, helping to promote the single use plastic bag ban here in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. all while in mermaid outfits. <laughs> and then um, got, got involved in the schools. And so we started working with the kids because kids just get it. They're easy to work with. They um, don't need convincing. And it was so fun. And it was just kind of like this switch went off in my head where I was like, wow, I'm, I'm so fired up and stoked to work on this stuff. And meanwhile, I was getting my EMT and working in a hospital and just hated it. Like mm. I, I can't, I, I can't stand hospitals. So, yeah. um, you know, found what I loved and then also was kind of at the same time finding what didn't work for me and then just decided to kind of drop everything and pursue, uh, the sustainability route. Hmm. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I imagine, I mean, being in in hospitals versus like doing the work out in the environment are two totally different, literally environments to be in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's not like I'm like out on the beach every day here. I work from home. So I pretty Mm -hmm. much am wearing like pajamas um, and, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting at a computer 12 hours a day, which is not that glorious. But um, I, I, prefer being able to have this type of impact. And, um, though I think I could have done a lot in the medical route, it just, it didn't get me as excited as this work does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one thing that people often are worried about when they have something that they're super passionate about of pursuing that full time, that, that they'll lose some of that passion for it and that it will become work just like the other work they were doing that they didn't enjoy. Was that, has that been something that you've encountered or started to experience at all? Yeah, of course. I mean, like, you know, every day is is tough. Like I work insane hours um, every day of the week. The thing about being an entrepreneur is it's like you never leave your work. Yeah. Um, it's always there. There's always something to do. So there's no such thing as a weekend. People are like, oh, Mondays. I'm like, what? There's no like for me, there's no <laughs> difference between a Monday and like a Friday. Like they're all mm-hmm. the same. Um, but you know, yeah, I get down, I get sad, I get depressed, um, and, and lonely and, and frustrated, but, um, you know, I, I have a lot of tools that I use to kind of kickstart my brain back into working mm-hmm. and, and sometimes those tools don't work. And so I just, you know, drag myself along and, and, and work through it because I've got an entire team that depends on me mm-hmm. and I depend on them. And so, um, being able to have those kind of relationships with a team, I think is, is probably the most, you know, important part to get me through the hard times. Cause I can go, you know, talk to someone at final who really does understand what is going on and just kind of spill my heart. And, and then they're like, yeah, that, you know, that sucks. Let's mm-hmm. keep working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, I'll say, um, you know, I don't have a, a team or anything with the kind of work I do as an entrepreneur. I wish I did, but uh, my boyfriend is, has a startup and yeah, his team, I think, provides so much accountability and support yeah. and encouragement and just knowing that you're not alone and all the stuff that you're going yep. through um, can be super, super important. Um, and I know you you mentioned, you know, that there are some tools that you'll use to kind of help cope with all of that. And I'm wondering if you can just share maybe a few of those things. Yeah, totally. So I recently uh, read something about Keystone Habits and it just 
clicked. Mm -hmm. And so a keystone habit is basically a series of habits that you create that then kick off like uh, productivity behaviors. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it was... I think it was Mozart that used to like uh, count sticks. So he'd just like put out this pile of sticks and count them until he reached a certain number. Um, for me, I start off in the morning uh, counting backwards from 60. Hmm. So the first thing I do before I look at my phone, before I do anything, um, is start counting backwards. And it sounds easy, uh, but it's actually really hard. Yeah, I'm like, um, my as mind I is... think about that, I'm like <laughs> counting backwards. I'm like, that would take me a really long time, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. And it's because, you know, when I wake up, my mind is just racing with all this shit I need to do, all of the, the things on my lists and things I forgot to do. And, and so, you know, it's, it's not a productive place to, to start your day from, yeah. uh, this kind of racing feeling, um, that you, that you're almost drowning. Mm -hmm. So the, the 60 second, I call it my minute meditation, um, countdown. It also helps me get a pulse on like where my mind is that day, because some days I can do it in one try and other days it takes me like three or four times because I get to like 34. And then I'm like, Oh, like, you know, what do I want for lunch? Mm -hmm. And, and like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so that's a really nice tool that I do first thing in the morning. And it also sets an intention, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to start my day, um, you know, with, with clarity and, and with purpose. And so versus just like scrolling, yes. um, which is just like how I used to start a lot of my days. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in terms of scrolling, I set a social media, uh, blocker on my phone. So I get 30 minutes a day mm -hmm. and then I'm blocked, uh, which is super helpful. How does that uh, happen? It's, it's in, if you go into your settings, it's actually on your iPhone and it's called huh. screen time. Yeah. So it's super easy to do. And it, it, it's honestly been life-changing, um, yeah. because I, sometimes when I like, just want to be distracted from what I'm doing. I'll just scroll and scroll and scroll, lose, lose entire accountability over time. Yes. And this like will cut me off. So mm -hmm. it's, it's nice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, physical exercise is a huge, uh, point for me. And, and that's always been an incredibly important part of, of creating resets and, and creating space. So, you know, if I'm frustrated, I'll go for a run, I'll go do stadiums, I'll go to the gym, um, go for a mountain bike ride, go just get out of the house and go for a little bit. I have a dog. Mm -hmm. So I also like sometimes just go for a walk. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of my meetings, when I don't need to be at my computer, I'll go out walk. So mm -hmm. I can just be moving and, and, you know, get fresh air. Yeah. So those are like kind of the, the quick list of some of my tools. Yeah. No, those are all like very specific and I feel like will be very helpful not only for me to implement, but also for probably <laughs> some of our listeners. Um, the screen time thing. I mean, I know you can like track your screen time, but I didn't know you could literally like block yourself after yeah. a certain period of time. Yeah. It's really, really great. And and I highly recommend anyone who's who's kind of looking to create more of a routine in the mornings to look up Keystone Habits. Yeah. Mine starts with that 60-second countdown, and then I, I drink a glass of water, I make my bed, and I do 10 push-ups. So it's like mm -hmm. every morning, I just that's how I start my day. And so it, it just kind of like sets me up for more yeah. productivity after that. Yeah, and you can do those really from anywhere. Like a part of my yeah. morning routine is like watering my garden, my plants, my balcony. But when I'm traveling, like that's not something I can do. Totally. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think even how I woke up this morning, I was like scrolling through Twitter to just like get my eyes awake. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things actually, and I think I think entrepreneurs in general are just like way more aware of these kinds of things. Where like my boyfriend um, has a rule, you know, that like he doesn't even leave his phone in the bedroom when we go to sleep. Like it's got to be outside. And for me, I'm like, but then 
how do you even hear the alarm? Like, the, exactly. I, I, won't, I won't wake up that way. So he's like, you need to yeah. get an actual alarm clock and, and all totally. these things. Yeah. I'm uh, not there when it comes to like not having the phone next to the bed, but I do put it on do not disturb mm-hmm. and, you know, have this routine that I do that takes like two minutes. So it's not yeah. really like a big time uh, block, but um, it's it's a really good way to just get your mind just clear mm-hmm. so that it's not focused on scrolling because the thing about scrolling, if you'll notice, like you actually decrease your attention span immediately because you're getting these kind of immediate dopamine hits. So like, you know, when I'm, when I'm like waking up and doing that immediately, I'm immediately training my brain that it's going to get rewarded just like boom, 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 boom. So then for the rest of the day, when that's not happening, I'm not getting those rewards then my attention span is scattered. Mm -hmm. But now like that I've implemented this routine, I mean, I'm still like super ADD, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it's focused quite a bit more. Yeah. No, it it sounds like it would be. And I think you know, having that kind of grace on yourself and knowing that it's not going to be perfect and knowing that, you know, maybe, maybe some mornings it's a little bit more difficult than others, but like the fact that you are attempting and the fact that it is helping create some focus is really helpful. And it's a, it's a good, it's a good way to, to cope with stress and getting yourself focused. <laughs> All right. So I want to take a mini break here to share a great resource um, and a sponsor of the podcast that I love. This is for all the ladies out there listening. And I know we've talked a little bit about kind of being an entrepreneur here on this episode. And um, honestly, as a woman, I think there's also a lot of pressure around starting a family and and managing that as well. And so honestly, I mean, whenever you choose to start a family is completely a personal decision. Some women want it now, others want to wait and whatever floats your boat, guys, no matter what your plan, um, the one simple step that I highly recommend uh, that you consider taking today it's an at-home uh, for hormone fertility test, uh, which is from Modern Family. So... I know that I don't want to have kids for a little while. I definitely want to take my time and I want to be in the right place. But I also have always had this like question of not knowing what my fertility even looks like. So I use Modern Fertility and honestly, the convenience of it is really nice. Um, It just ships a kit right to your home and then you get physician reviewed results in just a few days. Um, And it's not like you have to go to the doctor's office and deal with the anxiety of that. Um, It's cost efficient. So at just... $159, Modern Fertility gives you access to information that you need to help plan ahead. And these... These same tests are actually over like $1,000 to the doctor's office, um, which is a little stressful. and not only that, but you also get like a personalized uh, fertility team, which helps you connect with a fertility nurse. Um, and so you can actually get really educated about your results and get connected with an online community of, of women who are just like you. So it's really given me kind of a peace of mind and and the knowledge and information that I needed to make the best decision for myself. Um, and honestly, these are all results that you can trust. So the tests are conducted um, in certified labs and modern fertility's team of physicians and clinicians clinical advisors lead some of the nation's top fertility clinics. So highly recommend you guys check them out. You can visit modernfertility.com slash Taylor, take their fertility quiz and get $20 off your modern fertility test. That's modernfertility.com slash Taylor to take the fertility quiz and get $20 off. Again, modernfertility.com slash Taylor and get educated and get some information and knowledge about about your body and and you know 
help help make a better decision for whatever your plan might be. I hope you guys take advantage of that and we can we can get back to the show. Um and I want to go back a little bit because you know you touched on the fact that you would walk around and you'd see these red solo cups everywhere. And um, I think probably people that live closer to the ocean are maybe more aware of this kind of stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious if you can share a little bit kind of if, you know, you grew up kind of with this emphasis on the environment at all, or if this was really something that just kind of happened in that period of time in your life in college as you were like walking around or if those values were kind of instilled in you at a young age. Yeah. So no, I grew up in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So Mm. I'm a desert mermaid. Uh, (laughs) Not a lot of water out there. Um, You know, my parents never really instilled um, kind of the ethos of sustainability Mm -hmm. in terms of the environment as I was growing up, but um, they did make me really aware of waste. Mm. And I'll never forget when I was little and I didn't finish my dinner once, my dad showed me pictures of like starving children and it like seared into my brain. And I like, I was like, whoa, that was harsh, but (laughs) also like real. And so, um, you know, this isn't necessarily, um, just about plastic waste Mm -hmm. for me. It's about waste in general. And I, I hate waste. Like when people are brushing their teeth on with the freaking, tap water oh, going, yeah. I just like start shaking. I'm like, yep. um, that, that also has to do with growing up in the desert where like, you know, mm-hmm. we like took quick showers and there's just like, you, you're conscious about the amount of water that you use. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's funny because now that this is, is my life and my passion, my parents have really kind of, um, stepped up their game and, mm-hmm. and always carry all of their reusables with them now. And it's, it's really cool, um, to see the impact that, us kids can have on our parents and because generally like you get to a certain age where it's the other way around and then Mm -hmm. now we actually have that power to have the influence. Yeah. And I think it's a beautiful thing when your parents are open to accepting that influence too because they don't think that they always are. (laughs) Totally. But yeah, it's, you know, I think that's that's why we we ended up focusing a lot of our efforts from Save the Mermaids on kids because like for me to tell another adult hey using single use plastic bags is bad mm-hmm. using s- straws you know hurts the environment they're just like f off this is my life i yeah. do what i want but then it, when it's their kids who come to them and they're like mommy what about the turtles like <laughs> that is what's going to inspire change and so yeah. i'm all about doing things the easy way like we don't need to be fighting these battles um that that don't need to be fought so let's mm-hmm. go the easiest way there and and work with the voices that have the impact whether it's your kids or your friends or you know whomever however you're influenced yeah yeah, and I think, you know, I'm I'm curious if we can dig a little bit into uh what that process can be like shifting your lifestyle to um getting rid of single-use plastics and you know, as an adult when you've already got used to that uh to that level of convenience and um it, already very much adjusted to that lifestyle of things just being disposable. Um, you know, like you said, for kids, it's a little bit different and they can grow up in a different way and they might be more easy or more um, willing to make changes. But as an adult, kind of how how you maybe made that transition or, or how people can start to make that lifestyle transition. Totally. I think it's about 
setting rules in your life and really sticking to them. So like one example is that I've set a rule that I'll never buy any beverage in a plastic bottle, whether it be water, juice, you know, whatever. I've never had one of those like pink coconut waters that everyone's like, it's the best. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want to try it. But I just like, I set that rule and I stick to it. So, you know, that means that I always need to bring a reusable bottle with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I never leave the house without one. It's just like, I know that I like to drink water and therefore I bring this bottle so I can refill it wherever I am. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, start small, start with one rule um, and then stick to it. So no matter what, you don't break it. So if it's plastic bags, if you go to the grocery store and you forget your bags, you carry your groceries out. So yeah. that way you're you're setting in your brain that that you, you have to remember because you're kind of, you're basically punishing yourself by carrying the groceries mm-hmm. out in your hands. And, and then you'll, you'll change your behaviors. But what I hear all the time is people are like, oh, I just did it this once because I forgot my bags in the car. And it's like, okay, well, you're never going to create the habit of yeah. remembering the bags because you are re- basically rewarding yourself for forgetting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, in order to, the, to not use single use plastic, you have to bring alternatives with you. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, be prepared. <laughs> you got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared. Yeah. So, you know, like that's why we created final straw because mm-hmm. there was not any alternatives to a single use plastic straw that you could carry with you. The only things that existed out there were like a glass or metal, you know, long tube straw. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you try to carry it with you, you like poke yourself in the pocket and yeah. it just wasn't convenient. So, you know, that's, that's what we're doing at our company is we're Mm -hmm. trying to create an entire line of these items that are actually convenient to carry, easy to use, fun to use and, and create the conversations when you pull a final straw out in, in, at a bar, like it's pretty much impossible for you not to get a comment. Like everyone next to you is like, what's that? And then you get in a whole conversation. Like this Mm -hmm. is a final straw. Why do you have it? Well, I try not to use single use plastic. Oh, you know, that's interesting. And then it it kind of sparks the ripples of change, which is really how you change society. Like, Mm -hmm. like that's how information used to spread is word of mouth. And now we've got, you know, social media and all of these other ways to spread information, but like the, the most native way to change the world is through our voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so powerful and that's so true. And that's hopefully what we're doing here on this podcast too, (laughs) using our voices to talk about (laughs) this important stuff. Um, Yeah. um, What what for you, if you can think back, would have been like the first uh, change that you made of getting rid of single-use plastic? Well, it started with bags for me. And that's because we started working on the single-use plastic bag ban. Um, From there, it it went to straws because I was traveling in Thailand and just there were straws everywhere. Like you Mm. couldn't walk like a foot down the beach without pulling a couple off the sand. Um, And then from there, it went to bottles. And then after that, cutlery. So those are like four items that I just, you'll never see me with. And, you know... I, I go to pretty great extents to ensure that I don't use those items. And that's, that's the low hanging fruit. Cause then from there it's about shopping plastic free. So then you need to go to the store and, and be buying items that aren't packaged in plastic. Mm -hmm. And, and it just keeps building on that. Yeah. You go to the farmer's market and there's very little packaging there. Um, yeah, I think there's generally none. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, the, 
my the first thing I stopped was I got rid of all my plastic Tupperware and recycled it. And then I purchased all like glass reusable uh, Tupperware. And then from there did go to straws and then um, the plastic bags. And I've definitely... I don't purchase things that are bottled anymore. Um, and most of what I do is purchase everything at the farmer's market. Um, and otherwise it's like boxed goods, uh, cardboard boxes. But I know, I feel like at this point, there's really an alternative for every single use plastic that we could be using. And oftentimes just aren't necessarily aware of those things or haven't taken the energy to educate ourselves on them or... There, there hasn't been like the mainstream marketing for those things. Like there have been for the other things, even, you know, Ziploc bags, like a lot of what I used to do for my fruit to freeze would be put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer. <laughs> and now of like researching reusable bags um, that are like silicone and yep. using, um, I don't know if like technically I'm, this is like good to do or not, but I put like my mason jars in the freezer. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, like I, I use my mason jars and my other glass Tupperware. Um, but I think there, I feel like at this point, there's got to be an alternative for almost everything, whether whether or not we're aware of it or not. Totally. There's definitely a lot of alternatives out there. And, you know, it's just about kind of getting prepared and, and stocking mm-hmm. up on those things. And, and those things generally last a lifetime. So yeah. it's like, you know, maybe there's a higher upfront cost initially mm-hmm. um, to buying, you know, the, uh, the silicone bags versus yeah. a, a, a Ziploc bag. But then in the long run, you're actually saving a lot of money because yeah. those items um, are, are for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. And even there's like bees wrap, like I use my bees wrap for, you know, a a slice of lemon and a slice of onion and whatever else, putting over a bowl of salad. All right. So just a little bit of a side note here. I want to share this with our listeners um, about BetterHelp, which is an online counseling service. Um, It offers licensed professional counselors. So if you are struggling with anything ranging from depression, stress, trauma, uh, grief, whatever it is, if you're feeling like you're ready to reach out and get help and want to connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment, everything that you share there is confidential. And it's also just really convenient. Um, so you can kind of go at your own time and at your own pace. Uh, you can schedule video and phone sessions. Plus also you can just chat and text with a therapist. Um, so I really want to provide this as a, you know, it's already an affordable option, but I want to make it even more affordable for those of you. Let's talk about it. Listeners, um, who are interested in seeking help that you can get 10% off your first month with discount code. Talk about it. So honestly, you could start after listening to this episode. Um, you can go to betterhelp.com slash talk about it. You simply fill out a questionnaire to kind of help them assess what your needs are. And then you get matched with a counselor that you'll love. So again, that's betterhelp.com slash talk about it. And I hope that this helps. I hope you guys take advantage of this resource um, and just want to make sure that I was able to share that with you guys. So we can, we can get back to the show now. Um, I'm, I'm curious if we can dig a little bit into just how we like emotionally navigate some of this stuff uh, because mm. I think, you know, I'll, I'll give a short little anecdote here um, to kind of 
get us into the emotional piece of this. Um, you kind of touched a little bit on one too, though, of, you know, being in the grocery store and then realizing like, oh, should I forgot my bag? And like kind of the emotional debate we have with ourselves of what to do there. But even, you know, this was uh, in February in March, February or March, um, I was in Montana and my boyfriend is very, very big in sustainability and conservation and has taught me a lot about it. Um, and has very much encouraged a lot of my growth in this area. Uh, and his family actually did a whole, um, campaign around, uh, bottled water in Canada. And so like, they're very, very passionate about this. And, we pulled up to the the hotel and, you know, they give you two bottles of water. And I knew as soon as I grabbed them from the lady, I was like, oh, this is, this is not going to be good. Like he's not, he's not going to be happy with me that I have these bottles of water here. And I took them just to be polite and was like, okay, thanks. You know, I'm not going to use these, but thanks. Um, and when I went out to the car to, you know, be like, okay, yeah, I got the key. He was like, what is that? <laughs> He was like, why did you get those? And I was like, no, like they just give them to you, you know? And he's like, no, like you need to go give them back to her. And I was like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, we'll just leave them in the room. And he was like, no, like go like give them back to her and like tell her why you aren't going to use them. And I was like, uh, this is really uncomfortable. I was like, no, you know, like everyone knows plastic bottles are bad. Like I'm, I'll just give them back to her. And he's like, no, like Taylor, you should really just like tell her why. And then I literally like went back up to the front desk and was like, actually, I'm going to give you these bottles back because we're not going to drink them because this is just garbage, you know, with water in it that likely hasn't been filtered or treated and um, it's not good for the environment. So we're going to pass on this. But there was a lot in that. Yeah. Well, first off, I love your boyfriend. That's amazing. <laughs> um, super, super cool. And, you know, I, I've been in that situation many times mm-hmm. where, um, you know, like a friend or someone will come out from the gas station with their items in a plastic bag. And yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, they just gave it to me. And I'm like, well, go take it back. Yeah. And and it's funny because I actually like like my ex would never go take the bag back. So I would go take it and put it back. And like, yeah. you know, probably a great reason of why we're not together today. Because if <laughs> yeah. you can't, if you're not surrounded by people that are that are willing to be mm-hmm. vulnerable and, and support this mission, because that I'm sure that was difficult for you to go in there yeah. and like face them and, and then, you know, feel kind of the shame of taking them to begin mm-hmm. with. And then the guilt for them, like, like maybe shaming them and for giving yeah. them to you. So yep. it's, it's a lot. And, yeah. and, but I think that, you know, to, to have a partner that is open to that, that is, that is willing mm-hmm. to kind of face those emotions and say, you know, this is something that is, you know, not only important to you, it's important to me. And I'm going to look a little silly by returning them um, because I don't care because yeah. ultimately what I do care about is my values. And my values are such that I don't want to be a person that is creating unnecessary waste. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, you know, contributing to these, you know, massive piles of plastic that are going to be here for future generations. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I commend you and your boyfriend for that. And and it is tough. And I think that the more we're able to kind of shed this, like just wanting to go with the flow mm-hmm. sort of vibe and, yes. and, and feel okay with 
kind of like raising that awareness, but also doing so in like a caring and loving way. Because Mm -hmm. when I, when I first started getting into this, like I was, I was like the plastic Nazi, like people, like I once had a friend bring over a six pack of beer and he took his jacket off and a plastic bag fell out of his jacket. And I was like, what is that? And it's like, he was hiding it from me. He, he got the beer in the bag and then went so far as to hide it from me because he didn't want to get reamed out. But then like, you know, kind of missed the whole point of just Mm -hmm. like, why didn't you just give it back? But you know, you, you don't, people don't change through like berating and, and that kind of language. So, you know, I've learned a lot about how I deliver the message. It's not about Mm -hmm. saying that is wrong. Don't do it. It's Mm -hmm. saying, this is what happens when we use plastic. Here is the action. Here are the results and here's how you can change it. So a great example is the other day I, I went, I had a meeting and uh, we went and got some drinks and uh, j- the only thing that was open was this little corner store. So I grab, you know, like a thing in a can and the person that I'm meeting grabs something in plastic. And I said, well, you know, do, do you want to get that? It's in plastic. Um, and he's like, oh, you know, and he looks at all the other options and he's like, well, that's the only one that I want. And I'm like, okay. So I let him get it. I even paid for it. Yeah. And then we're sitting at lunch and are sitting down and drinking. And he's like feeling terrible about it. So it's like, you kind of need to let people come to their own conclusions Mm -hmm. versus, versus like pushing your agenda on them. You know, like had I said, like, I'm not buying you a drink in plastic, which is like what I wanted to say, (laughs) like that would have been me pushing my agenda on him. Mm -hmm. But instead he made the decision that to use the plastic and then got to come to the conclusion on his own that that was not the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that he sat with that. And then now maybe next time he will think about that a little bit more. Um, I guarantee he will. Yeah. And I think the, like, there's, there's two kind of ends to this of the managing the, the guilt and not wanting to shame people, but also wanting to like stand by your own values and yep. also then not having this sense of like almost of, you know, the stigma with vegans of like, I'm so much better than you. Like, you know, I'm saving the environment and not wanting to come across in that way as well when you're passionate about sustainability and waste. Um, I can think of another example, my, you know, and this is where it can be extra difficult sometimes. I think when people are aware of these things and usually make you know, the decision to bring their bag or to bring their reusable bottle and then are in a situation where they don't um, and like how you hold them accountable if you do at all. Like my mom was just visiting recently and, you know, usually she has reusable bottles and instead she had the plastic bottles from the hotel. (laughs) And, you know, we're walking down the street and I'm like, oh, why do you have your plastic bottle? Like we were just in my apartment, you know, I could have given you a reusable one. Um, And then as we're walking down the streets of Seattle, I thought it was just perfect timing and hilarious and also just so Seattle. Uh, Someone had left out like on the sidewalk uh, a Brita filter filled with water and a bunch of like reusable bottles and it was like stay hydrated, uh, don't don't waste and like, you know, enjoy, take one. that's where I was like, that's oh, awesome. That's, that's so beautiful. And I was like, mom, you should take one. And she was just like, I don't trust it. 
<laughs> well, I think what I the way I've shifted delivering the message mm-hmm. versus um, kind of making use statements like you shouldn't use single use plastic. That's yeah. not, that's not something that people want to digest. So I ask questions. I said, you know, like like what would it look like for you to be able to change to a reusable bottle? You know, mm-hmm. and and. Like I've found that there's kind of a, there's generally like four reasons why people will change. Um, they'll financial reasons, um, health reasons, and that's mental, spiritual, and physical health. Um, and um, and then also like um, how society views you. So mm-hmm. it, depending on where your values lie, like if if it's really important for you to have physical health, or if it's yeah. very important to you how you're perceived in society. Oh, and then the, sorry, the fourth one is uh, future generations. So hmm. pretty much everyone who has kids um, cares about that. That's one of their higher yeah. values. So if you can ask questions based around their children, you know, what kind of world do you want to leave to your kids? Like, like no one can, can argue with that. Like yeah. everyone wants to leave the world in a better place for their children. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's it's about crafting arguments that align with people's personal values, um, and and then sticking to that. And so, I'll, first, I'll ask questions to figure out where people's values lie, and then kind of direct the conversation towards. Well, there's you know, there's a financial argument for using mm-hmm. um, reusable bottles. There's a um, health argument, uh, health for your body, health for the planet, um, you know, single use plastic bottles, leach plastic into them. A -hmm. recent study showed that plastic water bottles contain 90,000 more plastic particles than tap water. Um, you know, there, and then obviously there's the future generations aspect. And then now there's the social, social validation aspect Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's not cool to be seen as someone who doesn't care about the environment. And that's essentially what it means when you use these items that are so easy to replace. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now, like, you know, when I see celebrities getting, just posting photos of them with a plastic straw, they get slammed in the comments. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's super cool. Like, people are now holding each other accountable to this higher standard because there are alternatives. The awareness is there. And, you know, the, the time to change is now. Mm-hmm. What do you think has caused people's interest and passion in this to shift? I mean, I'm, I, I'm curious if you were surprised at all. Like when you started Final Straw and you did your Kickstarter campaign, I think it was in like three weeks you hit a million dollars or something like that. Yeah, it was. It was about two weeks that we hit a million. Yeah, like was that something that you expected for people to be like this invested and, and excited about something like Not, this? Not. <laughs> no, I mean, I was shocked. I was floored. I, I mean, in the first three days of our campaign, I had a complete adrenaline response. I was shaking. I couldn't eat or drink or Mm -hmm. sleep. Like, like it, it was, I, I, it was crazy. It was just a a full out of body experience to, to put so much of my heart, soul, and passion into an idea, put it out in the world and literally overnight for the world to be like, F yeah, like yeah. this is awesome. And and no, I wasn't not expecting it at all. Like there was a part of my mind that was just prepared for the complete failure of the campaign. And mm-hmm. like, I had a backup plan. I was like, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, we're going to, you know, revamp our marketing materials and we'll relaunch in September and, you know, do all this differently. So like, I was already kind of like thinking through that. 
Yeah. Um, I think that there's there's a lot of factors that have uh, led to kind of the rise of the straw as this beacon of the environmental movement against single-use plastics. Uh, first and foremost is that Seattle banned plastic straws. Seattle yeah, was did. the first. Yeah, mm-hmm. go Seattle. Um, so, you know, the Lonely Whale is an NGO that worked yep. uh, very, very hard to get that passed in Seattle. Um, from there, it really created this cascade of bans um, mm-hmm. that went, you know, in legislative effects, but also in corporate effects. So you had massive corporations like Starbucks, Ikea, Alaska Airlines, Disney banning straws mm-hmm. um, at their locations. And so, you know, it wasn't just restricting on a government basis, but it was also corporations saying this is what the public wants. Yeah. Um, I think the straw is it's the most low-hanging fruit of yeah. all single-use plastic. It is the easiest item to remove from your daily usage. Um, and I would say the majority of people don't even want one at all. Yeah. Um, before Final Straw, like I just stopped using plastic straws. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't change my life that much. But it's been really interesting to see the shift because, you know, like 10 years ago, I was ordering drinks with no straw. And the looks that I would get were just ridiculous. Like people were just like, like, who is this? Like, like chick, you know, like what is, she's all up on our high horse. And now it's like, if I ask for no straw, they're like, um, of course we don't serve a straw. (laughs) Like, duh. Uh, so, you know, which is great. Like I'm so stoked Mm -hmm. to see that change, but you know, what, what I think is kind of unfortunate is that some people are stopping there, Mm -hmm. you know, when it, when it comes to the, you know, we're, we're obviously selling an alternative to a single use plastic straw, but like every single day we're getting tagged in like so many photos of our straw in a plastic cup. And it's like, (laughs) you know, part of me is like, great. Okay. They're taking the first step and, and, you know, every journey starts with one step. So like, this is great, but Mm -hmm. also like, like, is it, is it being realized when this photo is being taken that this isn't enough that, and there are reusable cups out there, you know, there, there are plenty of alternatives. So, Mm -hmm. you know, though I don't, I would never condemn anyone for just taking one step. It's also like, okay, keep taking more steps, keep going, Mm -hmm. keep going. What's next. But I think that's, what's so great about final straw is it is, you know, this really compact, tiny way to start down the road and, and just start raising the awareness because, you know, I started thinking about these smaller items, which has me thinking about much larger items. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, now my life has shifted in in a pretty you know I guess you could say dramatic way in that I, my my purchasing behavior is totally different and I'm always aware every time I'm ordering something yeah. I'm just like what is it packaged in like what does it come with and just like yes. you know like looking around at what everyone else has in their bags and try to figure yeah. out like do I need to say no straw do am I gonna look like a jerk if I say no straw like mm-hmm. you know like it's just like I got like laser beams as soon as I walk into any establishment because I yeah. am my awareness has just really, you know, it's, it's skyrocketed. And so I hope that that's what the straw does for others and, mm-hmm. and that it is, you know, this, this first step in a long journey towards plastic free living. Yeah. I feel like final straw should be like the gateway drug to zero exactly. waste. Exactly. <laughs> a new slogan. Take a, take a big hit of your final straw and then, you know, yes. continue on. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, 
I think slowly but surely we are becoming a lot more aware of, you know, our disposable lifestyle and how we can be more educated and more thoughtful about these things. Um, And I think, you know, sooner rather than later, likely our environment's literally going to force us to become aware of these things and is going to force us to be very thoughtful about how we're using things and how we're wasting things. Um, I'm curious if you can touch on a little bit just about um, how you've managed to reduce your waste aside from single use plastic? Yeah, totally. I mean, the first step in reducing your waste is knowing what your waste is. Mm -hmm. So I've done this with schools. I've done it, you know, at my old job, but doing a waste audit. So go look in your trash can, see what you're throwing away. Um, Same with your recycling bin. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we can, we can talk a little later about recycling and the fallacy around it, but um, in order to really deeply understand how to be able to reduce, you need to first know once there. Mm-hmm. So like I did this waste audit on myself a while ago and was like, wow, I threw away a lot of paper towels. That's, That's literally what I was crazy. just thinking for myself. Yeah. And there's literally a paper towel yeah. <laughs> right in front of me. But I was like, wait, but I use recycle, like they're like recycled paper towels. So like, I think this is okay. Like was literally doing a mental check of that in yeah. my head. <laughs> Well, so, okay, that's perfect. That's a perfect example. So, you know, the problem with paper towels, even if they are made from recycled content, is that it's still trees and paper mm-hmm. and water yeah. and they're heavy. So, you know, it's it's quite a bit of transportation and fuel costs to ship them all around the world. And, and so, mm-hmm. and they're packaged in plastic, in plastic generally. Yeah. Um, so I looked at paper towels because I was like, this is one item that was taking up like a quarter of my trash can. Like yeah. it was insane. Um, and so I just bought rags and I started using rags instead of paper towels and really haven't looked back. I never buy paper towels anymore. They're expensive too. So yeah. you save money there. And um, that's a, a great item to kind of start removing from your household. Um, and then I kind of have different classes of rags. So I've got like my like nasty rags that yes. are like, I'm not going to like, you know, that's like have the first wipe down. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like if you've got something gross, you need to clean up, like you use one of those and then you've got your kind of like nicer dish ones that you can like wipe the counters and whatnot with. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, and, and, you know, whenever, um, you know, eating dinner, I use cloth napkins. Um, I, I see so many people who just grab paper towels, like it's yeah. no thing. And, um, I recently did a calculation that the, we use enough paper towels in the United States to wrap around the world 18 times every day. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, it's just, it's so many, but you know, I think with a lot of families, it's like a really quick, easy way Mm -hmm. to clean up and, and very convenient. um, It's super convenient, but also like using rags is really convenient and Mm -hmm. they don't take up much space in the laundry and I do it all the time. Um, so that's, that's one item. I think another one that is, is present in a lot of people's lives are Ziploc bags. Yeah. Um, and, and then for those, I replace it with a, a silicone bag mm-hmm. or a Tupperware, a uh, super easy, convenient, easy to clean way and reduce that waste entirely. Yeah. Part of the problem with Ziploc bags is they, besides being single use plastic, they're also not recyclable. Um, any item that contains multiple types of plastic is not recyclable. So the bag and then the zipper part are two different types and, and therefore they all just get sent to the trash. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I'm, I mean, I, I recently, I think it was John Oliver that just did a segment on, um, our recycling. Um, and so would love for you to touch on that a little bit before I get into my 
my emotional question that I have yeah. in, in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great that the the fallacies around recycling are being talked about more. Uh, Trevor Noah also did a, a great segment. Yeah. Um, I actually watched it last night about uh, recycling. But basically what's happening right now is that we used to send all of our recycling to China. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the containers from China with all the crap that we buy on Amazon would come in and we'd unload those containers and then fill it with all the, basically the packaging that those items came in. And that went back to China. Well, China basically said, I've had enough of it and stopped taking all of our recycling. So we do not have the infrastructure in the United States to recycle basically any of these materials. Um, There are metal um, recycling facilities. And, and so metal is not really a problem material. It can be quite easily uh, sorted and recycled indefinitely. Plastic, on the other hand, um, it's like, I was explaining it the other day, like it's a cake. So you've got, you know, your final straw case, and then you've got your AirBuds case. And you can think mm-hmm. of them as like two totally different kinds of cakes. So maybe like your velvet uh, red velvet cake and your vanilla cake. Um, so when we recycle, they essentially get shredded down and mixed together. And, but then the idea is how do we then make another velvet cake and, um, and a vanilla cake? You can't because the ingredients have been combined and mixed and it's impossible to re-extract them and make those original things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when people use plastic water bottles and they say, it's okay, I recycle it that bottle will never turn into another bottle ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, if it gets even recycled. The cap, even the cap has to be recycled separately than the yes. bottle itself. Exactly. So those are two different types of plastic. So you yeah. can kind of tell the types of plastic based on the feel, the color, the uh, look, uh, opacity, all of these different things. Um, but... So anyways, um, plastic is tough because first of all, there's, there's essentially seven different categorizations of types of plastic, which in a perfect world would get separated and then recycled. But um, in addition to those seven different types, each company that's manufacturing that plastic is using different additives, colorants, um, plasticizers. And so essentially you've got all of these, you know, velvet, uh, red velvet cakes but all these different recipes for how to make the cake. Mm-hmm. So when you combine them all, you're not going to get a great cake in the end because you're yeah. going to have this weird mixture that doesn't quite, you know, maybe it doesn't uh, solidify right um, or have the same melting point. Um, so that's that's part of the problem with plastic. In mm-hmm. addition, most plastic is not manufactured to be recycled. So yeah. like you've got multiple different types of plastic in one container and therefore it's useless. Mm-hmm. Um, if your plastic does get recycled, which like it probably won't, yeah. um, there's only a 9% chance that it will get recycled. Um, it will get downgraded. So all of these types get mixed together into a number seven plastic, which is uh, generally like a polar fleece or plastic lumber. And then from there, number seven can't get recycled ever again. Um, so as a general rule right now, and I'm sorry if I just bored anyone with that, uh, but <laughs> no, I, it's useful I think information. It's, <laughs> I think it's fascinating. Um, but basically as a general rule, if you can locate the type of plastic that you have, um, only numbers one and two even have a chance of getting recycled right now. So do not bother throwing anything else in there. You're actually increasing contamination mm-hmm. and making it 
much, much worse. And and the more contamination we introduce into the system, the less things get recycled. Yeah. So, um, you know, this this is, and I'm speaking directly about plastic. Uh, every material has a different value and, it, mm-hmm. and you know, different kind of life cycle. Uh, cardboard and paper uh, can only be recycled between five to seven times. And if it has any food contaminant on it, yeah. it will contaminate the entire load. Yeah. So do not recycle your greasy pizza boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will completely mess up the system. And, you know, what we like to call it wish cycling because I mm-hmm. love, this is such like a weird, creepy habit of mine, but I love looking into recycling bins and like at people's homes and seeing what they're <laughs> recycling because the fact is we just recycle what we wish was recyclable. It, yeah. it has nothing to do with actually it being a recyclable material. Well, and I think a lot of that is also because we don't truly even understand the process of recycling and Absolutely. don't actually know, like, yeah, I think in that segment too that I watched, it was that notion that like literally your recyclables have to be like completely washed, like completely clean to even be recycled. Otherwise, it's just waste. Exactly. Um, So, and you know, each municipality has different recycling guidelines. Um, Mm -hmm. Some places recycle glass, other places don't. Glass is a tough material because it actually, you know, the way we recycle glass in general is that it gets melted down and reformed, which requires an insane amount of energy. So yeah. it's actually not that beneficial to recycle glass. Um, it also, like, it's made from sand, which at this point we we have plenty of sand. Um, that may not be the truth in the future, but it's also really heavy and it shatters easily and yeah. gets lodged in other materials, which then contaminates loads. So the moral of the story is um, use less, and don't trick yourself into thinking that recycling is a solution to waste management because it's not. We mm-hmm. need to completely redesign the materials that we're using and um, go back to the olden days when things were actually reused and repurposed. I love it. So on that note, I want to kind of wrap us up with this it all feels like very overwhelming. And I'm very, I'm very curious for you being someone that, you know, I think as people start to learn things, it, it just kind of compounds, but being someone that is so educated on these things and is so aware and understands kind of the depth of damage that's being done, like emotionally and mentally, how does that not? And if it does, how do you deal with that? The amount of like just drain that must take. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's real. I think that people get overwhelmed and then they get apathetic and it's just like the, the amount of, uh, human induced environmental issues is so massive that it's it's hard to feel like you can have a difference but you know just just to shine a little light on on that feeling versus like you know work me working on this idea coming out with it mm-hmm. and in the past 6 months we've we've essentially stopped 27 million plastic straws from entering the environment with just one product mm-hmm. so you know um it's possible And I would say that uh, your voice is much more powerful than you think it is. And I really realized that um, in the past year or so with the amount of feedback that we've gotten, the amount of like fan letters that we get, um, people, you know, like 
teachers writing us saying, thank you for everything you do. Like our, like my entire class loves the mermaid video and, Mm -hmm. and it's really changed the way that they act. So, um, you know, I think it's just important to remember how powerful your voice is and that change does start with, you know, one person and, and, and then, you know, propagates through the connections that we make. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think it's easy to get overwhelmed. And so pick one thing, pick one thing today that you're going to eliminate from your life and stick to it. And then in a couple months, you're like, Whoa, that's easy. I can't believe I ever used, Mm -hmm. you know, that one thing and then add on. And, and then from there, it's like, you just create a lifestyle for yourself that is different. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, uh, Tony Robbins, uh, explains this idea that if you change one degree, like immediately it doesn't look like a lot, but as you keep going in that trajectory, you actually end up in a completely different place. So you don't need to do entirely massive changes today, but do one Mm -hmm. and stick to it and own that. And, and don't make excuses because that's kind of the biggest thing when Mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, but I really want, you know, a seven up or whatever today. And it's like, no, like this is the commitment you've made to yourself. This is the commitment you made to the earth. Mm -hmm. And, and that's one thing to do. So, um, you know, and, and don't get down on yourself. If you do stumble and not complete, you know, what you're saying, it's okay. Just, Mm -hmm. just recommit and, and start that day. But I think that, you know, sometimes we tend to place a lot of guilt and shame on ourselves, which then paralyzes us and yeah. we can't move forward from there. Yeah. Yeah. And the more that we like beat ourselves up even more about it, the less that we're actually able to then make real change and actually implement those little steps day by day because we're just paralyzed with the feeling like we weren't good enough and that, you know, what we do really isn't going to make that much of a difference when really it does. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's about building yourself up, pumping yourself up and, and sharing your experience with others. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that is what creates massive change. If you, if you are able to act as a model for something and then others see that and they respect it and they want to adopt that behavior change into their lives. So, um, you know, like I, my entire friend group is so amazing in the way that they've changed their lives. And, and I'm sure that it's spread from them into a Mm -hmm. much larger area. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm sure that our conversation here will spread too. Um, so I'm very appreciative of you sharing your experiences uh, with me and, and all the listeners on the, on this episode today. Um, I'm curious for people who do want to, you know, make these small changes. Um, I would love to get like a small little list from you maybe of some, of course, final straw as the straw alternative, but perhaps some of your favorite companies to support for um, things like the silicone bags or uh, the reusable bags or the reusable bottles, um, just whatever other kinds of, of resources that you'd have available or any other kind of studies that you've found um, just to give people some extra education on these things. Totally. So my favorite reusable silicone bag is Stasher. Okay. Uh, my favorite um, like saran wrap alternative is Bees Wrap. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of stuck between uh, Corksicle and Yeti in terms of mm. water bottles. I do love my little Corksicle guy, but I've got kind of all different shapes and sizes depending on yeah. what I'm doing. 
Um, yeah. And actually also Hydro Flask. I, I have a few Hydro Flask bottles I'm into. Um, let's see what else, you know, in terms of clothing, I've actually Mm. committed to doing an entire year without buying any new clothes. So, um, thrift store shopping, buying used, I go on eBay, I go on Poshmark and, um, it's been a really cool and eye-opening way into how much clothes I was buying and, and now like finding these really unique vintage pieces as an alternative. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's weird stigmas against like thrift shopping and secondhand purchasing of clothes. And I mean, I'm in a little bubble here in Seattle, but you know, Macklemore made thrift shopping like really cool for everyone. So <laughs> I think it's pretty cool now. Like, you know, I, whenever I get a compliment on clothes and I get to say like I got it at the thrift store, like yeah. it's pretty much, I think that's the coolest thing ever. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think everyone's perception is different, but um, yeah. it is it's cool to care about the environment in my world. So. Yes, very much. And hopefully yeah. that will expand out to be our entire world. Um, I, I think it is. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hopeful that that people are changing. The world is shifting. And I think that, you know, mm-hmm. a product like Final Straw is living proof. The fact that, you know, we did 5 million in revenue last year on a straw. Yeah. So people, people want change. They want alternatives. They want tools to use mm-hmm. to replace single-use plastic. And now it is our, you know, entrepreneurs' jobs to um, make those alternatives, make it easy, make it convenient, make it fun. So we're really excited that about the success of Final Straw, but you know it is the first item in a line of foreverables, mm. uh, which are essentially items that are designed to last forever and replace single-use plastic. So we're really excited for Final Fork, which is coming this fall. Mm, I like, I like, I can't wait for that. That's so exciting. Yeah. So with the straw, we encourage people to suck responsibly. And with the fork, we encourage people to fork responsibly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's fantastic marketing and I am all for it. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. So excited for those. Thank you so much for starting Final Straw. Um, I will put the link for that in our episode notes for you guys. And you can also use, I have a lovely code that you guys gave me, Taylor10 for 10% off of all the straws. So make sure to use that. Um, and if people want to find you and kind of learn more about you and the kind of work that you're doing, where could people find you? Sure. So you can check out Final Straw at finalstraw.com and on Instagram, uh, we're at Final Straw. Uh, there's a couple underscores in there, but you'll find us because we mm-hmm. got that blue check verified. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Facebook, we are at Suck Responsibly and same on Twitter. Uh, me personally, you can check out my Instagram at Emma Sirena. That's Sirena, like mermaid in Spanish. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Really, really on brand for you there. (laughs) You know, I I do what I can. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. And thank you guys so much for listening all the way through to this episode. I really hope that you guys check out Final Straw. You can use code TAYLOR10 and get 10% off of all of your straws. And look at this as like your little gateway drug into reducing your single-use plastics and, you know, 
being more intentional about the life that you're living and reducing your waste. Um, I really enjoy covering topics like this. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did and learned a lot from it. Um, If you guys haven't already, I would love for you to head on over to iTunes to leave a review and let me know what you're liking about the show. And if you don't have a lot of time, you can just click a star rating on there. Um, But love doing this with you guys. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And I'll be back next week to talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.